Welcome to Bitch Talk, booze interviews straight from the heart of San Francisco. I'm Erin. That's Ange. Hi. That's Char. Hello. You can find us at bitchtalkpodcast.com where you can sign up for our monthly e-news. For behind-the-scenes videos and two-minute clips of our interviews, head to our YouTube channel and subscribe. You can find us every other Thursday morning at 9.30 a.m. at bff.fm. And if you like what you hear, rate and subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts. For the love of God, do it. It really helps. Hey, Bitch Talkers. We are at SF Film Fest on the pod today with director Sally Rubin of the film Mama Has a Mustache. Thanks so much for joining us on Bitch Talk, Sally. So great to be here. Um, Can you let our listeners know what Mama Has a Mustache is all about? Yeah, Mama Has a Mustache is a short, fully animated documentary um, about gender identity outside of the traditional binary. Um, The film's made up primarily of mixed media, clip art, and it's driven entirely by audio interviews of kids ages 5 to 10. And how did you come up with this concept um, of this kind of storytelling about this story and about this subject? Um, Well, I wanted to do an animated documentary, or at least largely animated. I've always loved animation. Um, I was one of those kids that never stopped loving animated movies. Now I'm 44 and I still watch, you know, pretty much everything that's on Disney and elsewhere with my seven-year-old daughter. So that was part of it, being drawn to animation and also really wanting to sort of try on a new genre, a new form of documentary. Um, my last film was really long, really serious, took a lot of money and a lot of time to make. And I wanted to just do something that was <laughs> short, funny, not too expensive, wasn't going to take too long to make. And that something that could kind of um, really bring a smile to people's faces. You know, we're in such a vitriolic time nationally. We have been for several years now. And I really just wanted to make people smile. So there was the desire to do um, animation. And then as far as the idea itself, um, you know, I wanted to do something that was whimsical, that would allow us to sort of get into the minds of kids and something that would allow me to really just ask kids questions. You know, I think that kids are so much wiser than we give them credit for usually. And that's definitely proved to be true in the making of mama has a mustache. Um, I, I love all the, the kids and, and their answers to your questions. And I wanted to know how you were able to pick the kids. Mm-hmm. Um, what was the process through that? And were there any kids that you had to cut out of it? Or were you able to keep everyone in there and have all their voices represented? Well, I could not totally cut any kid that would just be <laughs> I know mean. it's the worst. <laughs> You cannot do that to a five or six-year-old. There are definitely some kids who are in there more than others, ultimately. Some of the kids were really shy, um, you know, some of the kids. And I interviewed three kids together. They were having snack. There were, like, sippy cups and peas, like, being thrown all around. The audio was not not great. So there's not a lot of that interview in there, mainly just because the audio um, wasn't super usable. So, you know, I had to do some trimming. And then as far as how I found the kids, most of them were family, friends, or friends of my daughter. She was five now. She's five when we started making the film. She's seven now. Um, So most of them were kids that I already knew. My nephew's in the film. You know, I think that the fact that I had those existing relationships probably lends to some of the intimacy that you feel in there. But then I also really wanted to, um, I wanted a diverse sample 
um, with regards to racial and ethnic identity, gender identity, sexual orientation and gender identity of parents. So I went online, you know, I went on Facebook, joined various social media groups for queer parents or parents who have queer kids, um, you know, and then I also wanted to diversify actually coastal, but uh, west and east coast, rural versus urban. So there's kind of a mix of kids in there, actually. And I think that that's part of what allows it fit the story to feel like it's a bunch of different kids who have different experiences. They're not all singing the same tune. I love that. Um, really thoughtful way of putting that together. Uh, are these conversations that you already have in your family life, in your daily life? It just, it seems like you asked the, just the right questions to get the the right response, or is it right? I don't know. But is there a the welcomed response that you got from the kids? Yeah. You know, with the 12 kids, I had about um, maybe 20 questions or so that I asked each kid kind of clumped into category. And I ran the questions by the parents first. Um, not every kid expounded on every question. Like mm. some of them clearly had more experience talking about gender identities that were outside of the traditional binary terms like genderqueer, non-binary, gender non-conforming, transgender. You know, some of the kids didn't know those terms, but some did. And then some of them had lots to say about how babies were made. Some of them had nothing to say. <laughs> So it kind of just depended on what each of them brought to the table. Um, and um, yeah, you know, every single one of them, though, even the ones that were as young as five years old, brought a lot of wisdom, actually, and freshness to what they had to share. There was a, a moment in the film that I loved that um, talked about Queer Eye and had little snippets yeah. of JVN in there, Jonathan <laughs> Van Ness, if no one knows who that is, who's listening, which get out of here. Um, <laughs> but I, I loved that. And I, it just made me think of as, as the saying goes, representation matters. Mm -hmm, so can yeah. you talk about just using that information and using that clip and the kids answer? Yeah. yeah. Well, a big passion of mine, a thread through all my work, actually, my last is media representation. My last film hillbilly was all about media representation of Appalachia and rural and working class folks. Um, I mean, I think that especially with kids, if you look at cartoons, if you, if you look at stereotypes, um, mostly negative ones, mostly they're absolutely smattered throughout cartoons, which is where those are targeted directly at kids, you know? Um, so that always is in the back of my mind, actually, whenever I'm watching any cartoon, just thinking about, um, I mean, how much information kids get through the media at a very, very, very young age. And yeah, I just, I mean, in a way that chapter, it's really brief, but the little boy says that um, he's learned about gender through watching his mom watch Queer Eye. And then he goes on to describe JVN and how he looks like a girl, he dresses like a girl, he acts like a girl, but he's got a boy body. Mm -hmm. He has a beard, but he has long hair. You know, you hear the boy like trying to puzzle it all out. And I just love that. Like, that's where he's learning about gender is by watching his mom watch these like these fabulous gay shows. I and of course, that. there's a flip side to it, which is all the negativity around gender identity that kids learn through the media. But I really wanted to focus on the positive. Yeah, I think it helps the story along. And as the conversation is yeah. going, um, we can't not talk about your director of animation. Can you talk about who this person is and how they helped you piece together this film? 
Yes, I'm so glad you brought that up. Uh, Max Strebel is the director of animation. He is an old friend of Keith Wolfer's. Oh, yeah. Who, um, you know, so really it was due to Max that the film got into the San Francisco Film Festival for sure. Um, I mean, Max is just brilliant. He and I have been friends for a long time. I met him through his aunt, um, Deborah Chasnoff, who's a Bay Area filmmaker, wonderful, wonderful filmmaker who introduced Max to me years and years ago. And for a long time, we had talked about wanting to make this film. Um, and then when the pandemic hit, you know, I had the funding in place. Max was done with the project and it was time. So it was really the two of us working very, very closely together for about eight months doing the animation. It was about another year of concept, recording, the interviews, editing. But it was about eight months or so of animation. And Max just, you know, what I love about Max is he has... Um, I mean, he's totally, totally creative, outside the box thinker. He has no end to his ideas, but he's also very systematic, very sort of rule based. You know, he like he would not move forward until we had the exact color scheme down for the film. Mm. You know, I, I really, really appreciated the way that he kind of brought his left and right brain together um, in making the film. So, no, he was just he's wonderful. He's slightly younger than me gay guy um we had the best relationship that you can imagine between a director and a director of animation so much creative synergy there that's great it comes through in the film um so we're in the thick or you are in the thick of sf film fest and we were just before we were recording we were talking about what you've been doing so can you talk about this morning and the seven 700 kids is that what you said yeah i had the most amazing morning i went to a um uh, screening at the Castro Theater, 700 kids were there, elementary school kids. They were shrieking at the screen, laughing, Aww. shrieking, you know, giggling, clapping. It was so, so, so exciting. I, there must be an initiative with public schools in San Francisco where the teachers can bring yeah. kids to the festival. So I did a Q&A with them. And how did that really go? Fun. The Q&A was fun. I mean, it's so fun doing one with kids they'll ask you questions like um is it hard to make movies or you know <laughs> right like, <laughs> um yes <laughs> yeah how do you i got a question how do you make a movie you know so, <laughs> really really fun they're so cute oh so that was fun and then i went straight from there to jefferson elementary where i um talked for 45 minutes with a third grade classroom they had already seen the film twice and I heard wow. as I was leaving, they demanded that their teacher show it again. She said, I'll show it again to you after recess. <laughs> oh, my God. Yes. Yeah, so that, that has was to really make you feel great. Oh, yeah. I mean, they just, you know, kids are so much more interesting to talk to than adults. <laughs> the yeah. things they ask, the things they say, the responses they have, the way they can own their emotions in a way we can't. One little girl raised her hand and said, you know, even though I'm in San Francisco, it still embarrasses me to talk about gender identities like this because I'm not used to it. And I was like, wow, if we could have that kind of honest, authentic, you know, just sharing of how you actually feel in adult conversation, um, these, these types of conversations would be so much easier. Ego, man. Yeah, totally. <laughs> 
the yeah. adults in the room can just take away the ego. Yeah, exactly. Oh, Sally, it's been a pleasure having you on Bitch Talk. The film is Mama Has a Mustache. It's showing right now at SF Film Fest. And um, where can people find you? Um, people can reach out. You can go to mamahasamustache.com. Um, there's no O in mustache, by the way. That's the European spelling. Mamahasamustache.com. Our contact mailing list is there. You can find me at sallyrubinfilms.com and we have corresponding socials on Instagram and Facebook. Great. Thanks so much for being on Bitch Thank Talk. you. Thank you for having me. If you like what you hear, rate and subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts. For more information about us, you can head to bitchtalkpodcast.com. This podcast is created, hosted, and executive produced by Aaron Lim. My co-host is Angela Tabora, a.k.a. Captain Party. The show's edited by producer Shar. We're powered by GoTo Productions. 